Here, for this is the word of the Lord. In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered, and they had nothing to eat, he, that is Jesus, called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on this crowd, because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way, and some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? They said, Seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. And there were about 4,000 people. And he sent them away. And immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes do you not see, and having ears do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said twelve. And the seven for the four thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, Seven. And he said to them, Do you not yet understand? And they came to Bethsaida. And some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Teaching is a difficult task, because it requires a lot of patience. For those of us who teach, we must confess that we don't always have much patience. Think of teaching children who have only been in this world for a few years. Think of how much patience is required to teach your children right from wrong, table manners, or sitting still in church. It often takes years of training. Uh, Think of how much patience is required to teach grown adults 
who are set in their ways something new that might be helpful for them. Think of how many years we spend in rooms of education. Think of how long it takes to teach someone when they are wrong. So think of how many years it would take to teach and develop knowledgeable and obedient disciples of Jesus Christ. At times, both the teacher and the disciple feel like giving up. Well, that in itself reveals our nature, doesn't it? But our God is long-suffering and patient. And we see Jesus as being long-suffering and patient with his disciples. We have come to the eighth chapter and throughout his entire ministry, Jesus has been revealing himself to his disciples and they still don't get it. There have been miracles, healings, exorcisms. His supernatural power over creation has been on display. And all of these acts reveal the God of the Old Testament. The God that they would have known so well, yet they still don't get it. His disciples are much like us. uh, Distracted with the cares of the world. And so Jesus slowly reveals himself through Teaching them. But why do they not yet understand? Well, because we are dealing with sinners who are naturally hardened to the things of God, which would include all of us. And from that arises attitudes like they think they know it all, or they don't think they need to know much about Him, or that they can live without the truth of who He is. But what we see in this passage is that their eyes will soon be opened. Because this is all part of Jesus' plan so that later the disciples will think back and remember all that he had taught them. So he teaches them like the good teacher he is through both words and actions patiently. And sometimes the actions interpret the words or the words interpret the actions, but they are always connected. When we first read the passage in front of us, we are expected to immediately ask ourselves, haven't I read this before? Is this just a repetition of something Jesus had already done? Why is he doing it again? Don't they already understand? Well, no. As we read, in those days when again, Uh, He says again because he is reminding you that something similar had already occurred when a great crowd gathered around Jesus and his disciples in a similar desolate place or wilderness and Jesus laid out a feast before them. And what is at the forefront here is Jesus' compassion. He was moved with compassion to feed both crowds while his disciples doubted both times. Can you believe that? They doubt him again for the second time. Well, you should believe it, because isn't that what we do? When we see the goodness of God in our lives, 
what happens the next time something happens, some type of trial, we doubt him again. His disciples doubted the possibility of feeding a large crowd of people in the wilderness. So they ask, how can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place where there is no food in sight? But Jesus asked, as he did before, how many loaves do you have? Then he directed them all to sit down while he took the loaves, gave thanks, broke them, and gave it to his disciples to set before the people along with some fish. He multiplies the loaves and fish out of nothing, and there was so much to go around that they had leftovers. And after both occasions, he gets on a boat to go somewhere else where he is harassed by blind religious leaders. All of this is repeated and seems to have happened twice. But there are some differences here. The first difference to notice is the location and, and the type of people he would have been surrounded by. In the prior feeding, he was in Jewish territory, surrounded by Jews. This time, he is in the Decapolis, which is primarily Gentile territory. So he would have been surrounded primarily by non-religious pagan Gentiles, uh, along with some Jews. Uh, again, this is the point forward to the fact that the Gentiles will be included in the covenant and become part of true Israel. And those who were once called dogs would have a share in the children's bread. Uh, the second difference to notice is that the first feeding was focused on how the sheep of Israel was lost without a shepherd. While here, these Gentile followers were with him for three days without food. Jesus just loves to feed people. We see him feeding people throughout this entire gospel. Not just large crowds, but we also think of Jairus' daughter after she was raised from the dead. He told them to give her something to eat. So he was concerned that if he sent this crowd away, hungry to their homes, they would faint on the way, as some of them came from far off places to be with him. It's like in my own culture back home, we have this thing called food for the voyage. It was embedded in our culture because our culture was influenced by famines. And you never know when the person who came to visit you uh, would get another bite to eat. So that they wouldn't faint on their way home, we had food for the voyage set before them. That's why to this day my grandmother would have loads of food made every day uh, for like 50 plus people. And you're wondering, where's all this food going to go? Uh, well, just in case, someone would starve on their 10 minute ride home. But Jesus here, he loves to feed people. And he's concerned that if he sent this crowd away hungry to their homes, they would faint on the way. And this would probably actually happen in those days. So he cared for the state of their bodies as well as their souls. He was revealing to these people that he is the provider of his creatures. And he cares for every aspect of their lives. And so he cares for every aspect of our lives as well. 
Also, thirdly, there are differences in the numbers. Before there were 5,000 people, here there are 4,000 people. Before there were five loaves and two fish, here there are seven loaves and a few small fish with no exact number. Before there were 12 baskets full of leftovers, here there are seven baskets full of leftovers. There is a reason for these two similar acts as we will see. He was teaching these two large groups of people who he is publicly. But there is a problem when teaching. The problem you face when teaching is that you are always teaching different types of people. You have those who are receptive right away, as we have seen in many cases of healing and exorcisms that Jesus performed. But then you have those who are partially hardened and who need a little bit more time to learn. But then Jesus comes across uh, along the way, those who are hardened and they harden themselves even when they are presented with all the evidence in the world. They are not just slow to learn, they refuse to learn. They will not be convinced. You can keep teaching and teaching and they will always find something that they are against or that they question, not because they are trying to learn, but because they are hardened against God. We see three characters in this passage with only one of whom can grant us understanding. We see a hardened generation that seeks a sign, disciples who lack understanding, and a patient Savior who teaches us. First, we see a hardened generation. After Jesus sent the crowd away, he and his disciples left from where they were to the district of Dalmanutha, which is Jewish territory. So they crossed the Sea of Galilee to the western shore once again. And we know this is Jewish territory because there he is confronted by the Pharisees. They came and began to argue with him. And the use of the language to test him is to say that they were harassing him. They were harassing him, seeking a sign like when Paul says that the Jews demand signs as they were living by signs and not by faith. They were seeking a sign from heaven. In other words, they wanted proof of Jesus' deity. Uh, They wanted him to prove that he is in fact the Son of God. All of Jesus' signs, miracles, healings were not only meant to benefit the recipient, not just to do them good, but it was also to teach them. It was to teach them and to reveal who he is as God. And the signs were there. In front of their faces. Just like it is in front of all of our faces. The existence of God. Is all around us. It is proven. All around us. And some still demand signs. God's salvation is revealed in his word. And some still demand signs. But the reason for the Pharisees asking for a sign is that they wanted Jesus to fail. Just like today. Just like today. They were looking for a reason to reject and condemn him 
That's what is meant to be hardened. Their minds were made up before a word was spoken or a shred of evidence was given. So they confront Jesus after he had given the Gentiles a clear sign that he is the Son of God, the Christ. He had given the Pharisees signs before like when he cleansed the leper or when he healed a man with a withered hand. How many signs did they want? Because instead of believing, they plotted with the Herodians to kill him. Remember, the Pharisees were so hardened against God that they had blasphemed the Holy Spirit and believed that Jesus was of Satan. They were completely hardened. Most people today whom you try to share Jesus with are in this place. They are completely hardened against the truth of God. They have already made up their minds. They have everything in this world figured out. But this should lead us to ask ourselves, am I in this place? Are we completely turned off and tuned out from what God has been teaching us in His Word? Have we neglected what God has done for us? Because despite all that God has done for them in giving them light and sending them the Messiah, the Pharisees had already made up their minds. And they will continue to ask Jesus to prove that He is the Christ, the Son of God, all the way up to His crucifixion and death. Like when they said to Him, He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now, if he desires him. For he said, I am the Son of God. They were mocking him, all the way up to the cross. And they questioned him, not because they want to know, but because they want something to hold against him, and so justify their own actions. This is what we see displayed in the world today. And so it says, and he sighed deeply in his spirit. I've said it before that not all of Jesus' emotions were directed at unbelief. But this deep sigh was over their unbelief and the hardness of their heart. God is indeed patient. God is patient. But his patience does have limits. In Romans 1, it says three times that God gave them up. God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts. God gave them up to dishonorable passions. God gave them up to a debased mind. And the Lord says through the psalmist, My people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. This is why Jesus said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given this generation. Because even if they were given a sign, Jesus knew they wouldn't believe. Because they needed new hearts to receive, new eyes to see, and new ears to hear and believe. That's why today, don't expect signs in church. 
Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to save those who believe. And so he left them. He got into the boat again with his disciples and went to the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee toward Bethsaida. But his disciples are not that much better off than the Pharisees. We're not that much better off than the Pharisees. Now there is a difference between someone who is completely hardened toward God and someone who is partially hardened and slow to learn. And this is what we see in the case of his disciples. And this is what we see in the case of most Christians today. So secondly, we see that they are disciples who lack understanding. And when you read this entire section, it's rather comedic. You couldn't think of a better scene for a comedy than this one. And you won't understand it if you lack a sense of humor. I know for Reformed folks and for Calvinists, it's hard to have a sense of humor. But you must repent and get one. Jesus had just multiplied seven loaves of bread to feed 4,000 people. And the first thing we read in this section is, now they had forgotten to bring bread. And they had only one loaf with them in the boat. He just multiplied enough bread to feed 4,000 people. And they had seven baskets full of leftovers. What did they do with the leftovers? Uh, They may have given it away, but you would think they would be wise enough to take some of that with them for the journey. But no. If that was me, my wife would be furious. But Jesus, knowing where their hearts and concerns are, he warns them. And he cautioned them, using the language of bread, saying, Watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Leaven is another way of speaking of the yeast that causes bread to rise. And all you need is a small amount to expand the dough when it is baked. So in the scriptures, leaven is often used as a metaphor to speak about sin. And how all you need is a small amount in the heart to radically expand and corrupt a person's soul. And if you think back even further... All we needed was one sin in the Garden of Eden to plummet all of mankind into death and chaos. And we have been suffering ever since because of one sin. And more specifically in Scripture, Paul uses the word leaven to speak of pride and self-reliance when he says, Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. 
Paul also speaks of the leaven of false teaching. And false teaching is a fruit of pride and self-reliance. Relying on self to interpret scripture without God the Holy Spirit and without the help of others such as the church. The Pharisees were prime examples of such pride as they were binding others to false teaching and traditions of men while ignoring Jesus. And they just demanded signs from Jesus out of pride. Pride was also the leaven of Herod. When Pilate sent Jesus to Herod, he also demanded signs from Jesus. And we know he was also self-reliant because he was king. He had status. This is what Jesus was warning them about. He was warning them about self-reliance, pride, and sin. But in this regard, they were all on the same boat, pardon the pun. Because it was all the leaven of unbelief. Because look at where this metaphor led their conversation. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. He mentions leaven, they think of bread. And possibly seeking to solve the problem themselves. They totally missed the warning. They began to worry about their provisions. They were worried they wouldn't have enough to eat for their journey. Did they not see what just happened for the second time? That's why Jesus begins to ask some more questions. To get them thinking like the good teacher he is. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand? How many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, Twelve. And the seven for the four thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And you're worried about bread? Did you not just see what this guy has done for you? Hello. You should be worried about your souls. You should be worried about who he is. Some folks who read this passage tend to focus on numbers like 5, 12, 7. 5 plus 7 equals 12. 7 is the number of completion. These are all significant numbers in Scripture. They're significant. But sometimes we focus on numbers too much that we miss the point. You see, the question for the disciples is... Why are you worried about how much bread you have? This man in the boat has just multiplied seven loaves to feed 4,000 people. What do you think he can do with one loaf for 12 people? They were discussing bread rather than discussing him. 
they were trusting in their own selves. They were relying on themselves rather than trusting in Him. They forgot what He just did. See, He was teaching that He is the Creator, the Giver of life, and the Provider of all people. And this act of feeding a large crowd of people in the wilderness further proved who He is. He is the God who rains bread from heaven to His people who are in need. This was done so that the disciples would see with their eyes and hear with their ears their Master and later remember. And for us, it is so that we would redirect our minds from the distractions of the world and the worries within our hearts and focus our attention on Jesus Christ and who He is and what He has already done and what He will do for us. He will not leave you where you are, wherever you are, whether you're struggling with finances or suffering with illness or lacking joy. He will not leave us in misery, but gently lead us. As a church, we may be small, and we may have little resources, but our Lord is known to multiply that which seems small into an abundance. The little that we do, and the little that we possess, He is able to multiply and use for His kingdom. Because what he was teaching his disciples and what he teaches us through his word is that we have no need to worry about the little we have because he is with us. He is with us right here and right now by his spirit. And if he is with us, we ought to say with Paul, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Because he is our provider. Do you have ears to hear and eyes to see this? Do you understand? If not, Jesus tells us to remember what he has done for the thousands of people which he fed. And what he does for disciples who lack understanding. So thirdly, we see a patient Savior Who teaches us. And though they lacked understanding. That is spiritual understanding. He said to them. Do you not yet understand? That is the second time. He asks them this question. And this means. That there is hope for them. Which means there is hope for all of us. Because we all lack a bit of understanding. Because none of us, including the pastors, understand fully and completely. We only know in part. But there is hope. For one day, we will know fully. He says, do you not yet understand? He says, yet because he knows that they will eventually get there. It takes Time And he will slowly teach them until they get there. He will not leave them nor forsake them. And the same goes for us. If you have begun to walk in this Christian life. 
and you're at the beginning and you feel discouraged because you don't hear, see, or understand as much as others do, the Lord will not forsake you in your learning. For he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. And you will find the Lord your God if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. Here is an example of a patient teacher. And Jesus has not changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is still teaching us even now. There is so much we don't know. And by his word and his spirit, he teaches us. There is always room to grow as a disciple because there is so much more to learn in our Christian walk in this life. This passage helps us to understand that no Christian ends where he begins because the Savior is patient with his people. And he illustrates this truth in the healing of the blind man in Bethsaida. This is here to teach us that Jesus is the only one who can open the eyes of the blind and grant us true understanding of who he is. Because we're all blind toward God until Jesus opens our eyes. And this is also to give us a picture of the Christian's progress in the hands of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When Jesus first laid his hands on him and asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again a second time. And he opened his eyes. His sight was restored. And he saw everything clearly. He was demonstrating a spiritual truth to his disciples through a physical healing. He was teaching his disciples where they were when they were blind. Where they are now seeing only shadows. And where they will be in the future. When they will see clearly. This ought to be great encouragement for all of us. Because this is where every Christian begins. We were once blind. And when we began to see. The people looked like trees. We saw things dimly in the form of shadows. And it remains to a certain extent as such. As long as. As we are in this world. But one day. We will see everything clearly. And along the way. The Lord is patient with us. And he comes to us. Again and again. Through the means which he provided. Until we see more clearly. And this also helps us to realize. That we ought to be patient. With others. As they learn. And grow. And develop as Christians. No two Christians are at the same place in their learning and maturity. There are those who struggle in their walk with Christ. There are new and old Christians who need learning. If we have been through the fight of faith and know how difficult it is, we would show mercy and patience to those who are lagging behind with compassion With the compassion that so moved Jesus. 
But I'm not promoting laziness here. And to make it more personal, there's a flip side to that. Are you seeking understanding? Do you hear Him? How well do you hear Him? And do you care to learn from Him? If not, pray that He would open your eyes to see your own need, to open your ears, to hear His voice more clearly. This is a good time to examine ourselves and whether or not we receive the Lord's teaching through His Word so that we can remove the leaven that may be making us blind or deaf to His Word. We will see next time that they finally begin to understand, but not quite fully. And there will be a great eye-opener for them in the near future. Well, if you want to know about it, just read ahead. But uh, we'll hear from the Word in the coming weeks, this glorious revelation of Christ. Amen. Let's pray.